0: You are listening to the Gateway Church located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Well, today it's my privilege to launch a new series. It's a question. The question is now what? Now, can we say this together? Now what? Have you ever been in a situation where you were not sure what to do? Let me see your hand. Come on. It should be most of us. And you've asked your question. the question, let's say it together, now what? Have you ever been in a position where you didn't know how to move forward and you've said, now what? Have you been on your path, your life, and came to a fork in the road? You had two options. And you did not know which way to go and said now what this was not intentional but Rachel's up here waving me down saying now what because I forgot to dismiss the kids and uh, so all the kids you guys are dismissed and awesome thanks for all your hard work with Team World Vision we did the same thing first service totally missed it Rachel I told you before I came up remind me but whatever awesome Have you ever showed up to your first day of work and didn't have a clue what to do and you're saying, "Mm, now what? Or showed up to a new school because your family moved and you had friends at the, the last school and now you're saying, now what? Or how many of you can remember when you graduated from high school or from college and you're all of a sudden like, oh boy, I must... I'm an adult now, (laughs) now what, right? How many have had those ideas or those thoughts for sure? And this morning I want to kind of narrow our focus to our families. And and when we think of families and there are that, that we all have, there are dynamics that are hard and uncomfortable. And oftentimes within our families, we will even ask ourselves, now what? Where do we go from here? In fact, I want to do a little experiment. Would you participate with me when it makes sense? Have you ever wondered? And if you're online and you relate to this, just type in the notes, now what? And we'll know that you're with us. But how many of you, if you're married, you got married, you're saying, okay, I'm married now what (laughs) how many have ever said that in your life go ahead just stand and uh, join me and Jessica come on you're gonna wait for the parenting one come on you're saying okay I'm married what do I do now okay all right all right a few of you, okay, just stick with me. How many of you are single in the room? And you're saying, okay, I'm single, I've not, you know, I, maybe I wanna be married, maybe I don't, I don't know, or maybe you're a student here, you're saying, I'm single, now what? All right, just stand and join me and Jessica. All right, this is a participation, okay, just, you know, um, thank you, yes, yes, Trayson, yes, I love it. He's saying, now what? No, stay standing, stay standing. All right. Just so you know, it just I'm, it's not working so good here. Uh, the goal is for everyone to be standing by the end, just so you know. Okay, I'd, I'll just spoil it. All right, how many of you are saying you're a parent and you have a little child in your hands at the hospital and you put it in the car seat and you're saying, now what? You're saying, okay. All right, we've got a few of you there. Good, you've been there. Got it. Or how about this? You've been in transition and maybe you're an empty nester. The kids are gone. Or you're retired or you're divorced or maybe you've lost a spouse or you've lost a job and you're saying, now what? Or maybe you've gone through bankruptcy or you broke up with a girlfriend and boy or boyfriend and you're saying, now what do I do? Tracy, you're still standing, that's good. All right, good. <laughs> or your kids are off to college, you're saying, now what? Or your students have graduated from college. My daughter just did and we're saying, now what? She's saying, now what? Or how many of you have ever gone through the chore of potty training your kids, you're saying, ah, oh, now what? <laughs> well, this series is designed for you, and you're in the right place. You can be seated. Thanks for humoring me. And it's a family series. We're going to be asking this question, now what, each of these weeks, and they'll kind of progress in different things. differently. We're going to address different stages, different views of our lives. And today, it's my privilege to answer the question, or the statement, then the question, I'm married, now what? And there was only just me and you, Jessica, that stood. So I guess everyone else, you're dismissed. No, I'm just kidding. Lock the doors. You're not going anywhere. Jessica and I, we just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. Yeah. And I know some of you were gracious and uh, it's interesting that when we age we're more beautiful the older we get aren't we jessica marriage is like a vintage watch it it gets worn and torn and it has a story to tell and and uh, it ages and it patinas and and it's just it gets, jessica you're more beautiful today than you've ever been and and i just want you to know i've often said this that jessica is is breathing. She's the most beautiful woman in the world. That's breathing air right now, and uh, and I, I'm so grateful that you're still with me all after all these 25 years. Church, it's just pure bliss, pure bliss. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, my mother-in-law is sitting right behind Jessica. And she's saying, what are you talking about? And you're just, you're helping me out. If you want to come up and preach us, that'd be fine. Full disclosure, as good as it might look on the outside, Jessica and I have had our ups and downs, and I would say our serious ups and some serious downs. Have you ever asked your question, uh, the question, ask yourself, if you're married, uh, did I make a mistake? Don't answer that. Don't raise your hand. Did you ever ask yourself, if you're married, is my spouse crazy? Is this what I signed up for? I want out? Or you said something you've regretted? Well, if you've said any of those things, you're in good company because Jessica and I have said these things and many other things over the last 25 years. But we have learned a few things, and there's, we're going to hone in on something this morning. And the idea is that the choice is ours. What kind of marriage will we have? Will it thrive? Will it just survive? Or will it die? And the truth is there are marriages here. There are marriages that are represented online that are thriving, that are surviving, and dying. And the choice is yours, and that's what we want to talk about. Now, if I asked you the question, it'd be a leading question, it's an easy question to answer, who wants their marriage to thrive? Hopefully, all of our hands would go up, and we'd say, of course, but unfortunately, at least where I sit, and what I have viewed, not only in the church, but in our community, is that the average marriage is pathetic, indifferent at best. And many are just coexisting. In fact, there are many marriages that are dying. They've lost that loving feeling. They've given up. They're holding on just so the kids can make it through high school. And then they're done. And then they divorce. Or they're staying together just for the insurance. Or they're living in separate bedrooms, but they're not living their lives together. They're actually living their lives separate altogether. There are marriages that are dying all around us. And there are marriages that are also surviving. And you say, well, isn't that okay? Well, it's okay, but it's not great. It's not horrible, but it's not God's best. And on the outside, many times, a marriage that's surviving looks like it's okay. That is pretty good. But on the inside, on the underbelly, and let's just be honest, every relationship has an underbelly, right? Right? But it's on, the, on the outside, it looks okay, but when you get to the nitty-gritty, it's not so pretty. And to me, it's rare air. There's something special when you see a marriage that is really thriving. Something is different. And I want that. Jessica and I, we want that. We do not want to be normal or average. Dave Ramsey says uh, normal is broke, right? For those Dave Ramsey fans in in the house. Well, when it comes to marriage, normal is surviving, and I don't want to be normal. So you say, how does a couple do it? What does it take to thrive in our marriages? What keeps others from thriving or surviving or worse yet, dying? I want to remind you, the choice is up to every husband and every wife. It's in your hands. It's in my hands. And I want to say, for those that are younger and those that are single, um, pay attention because what we're going to talk about today Not only, it it doesn't just relate to marriage, it relates to getting married and then staying married. In fact, I asked the the question this week, I was kind of obsessed, kind of going around asking, what does it take for a marriage to thrive? And I asked a lot of different people, and I got a lot of different answers, and I wonder what comes to your mind, and what's the first thing that comes to mind? How does a marriage thrive? And people said, it's good communication, Uh, some guys said it takes a lot of money, (laughs) Uh, uh, some other guy said, you'll know it's a guy, he said sex, um, compatibility, having a hobby together. Uh, a couple people said having Jesus at the center, and yes, that's always the right answer. And, and that's, that's, I mean, it is the point, but uh, if your kids ever come home from Sunday school, and you're like, hey, what did you, what did you learn? Jesus is. Yes, it's the right answer, right? But it's the right answer when the pastor says, how does a marriage thrive? I get that. But anyway, uh, others said good counseling. Uh, It takes forgiveness. That's how you thrive. And then one lady said gifts. In fact, and then she said, no, lots of gifts. That's how a marriage (laughs) survives. And And I'm like, okay, all right, that's good. Well, today I'm about to unveil the secret sauce of what it takes to thrive in your marriage. And there's one thing, and I believe that if you can get your mind around this, it will safeguard your marriage. It will help your marriage to thrive. Are you ready for it? This is the secret sauce. If your marriage is going to thrive, you must outserve your spouse. Men and women both play the Jesus role in their marriage. And that marriage will thrive. And maybe that's not the first thing that came to your mind to serve. It may seem unsophisticated or may seem lame, but hang in with me for a moment. We're asking the question I'm married, now what? Well, the now what is to outserve your spouse. When we say serve, this is what we mean we mean being mindful of what your spouse needs. And doing it. Let me say that again. Being mindful of what your spouse needs and then doing it. You lighten the load of your spouse. You say, well, wait a second. That sounds hard, right? Uh, That sounds time consuming. That doesn't sound very sexy. That sounds like a lot of work. And I just want to say, it wasn't my idea. This actually is God's idea from the very beginning. How many of you have ever uh, heard the idea for marriages that it's founded in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, that you have to leave and cleave? How many have ever heard of that, right? You leave and cleave. Anybody? All right, show me a hand. You've heard of this. Okay, you're with me. Well, I, does anybody even know what it means to cleave? I asked uh, Pastor Bobby this morning, and he gave me a half answer that he really didn't know, and uh, which is Unusual, because I thought you'd nail it. But uh, you know, growing up, I'm like, all right, I want to get married. I'm going to leave and cleave. What does that mean? I I don't know. And and some people have asked me, why did you get married at 19? Well, this might be part of the reason because I thought leave and cleave. I don't know what that means, but it's close to cleavage, and uh, that sounds good. (laughs) Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. You know, it was on my mind. That's why I got married so young. But anyway. But in Genesis, in Genesis, bring it back, when God was establishing marriage, one man, one woman, some people call that traditional, I call it biblical, right? He used the word cleave, and you could use the word cleave. It means to work at it. The idea here is to pursue with all your energy, cleave. Pursue with all your energy. In other words, you work at it. And, it's, and one commentator said, it is energy, not chemistry, that makes a marriage work. And I would say, it's energy, not chemistry, that makes a marriage thrive. Our secret is to outserve your spouse, our spouses. And yes, initial communication is important, having the same goals, being aligned, some initial attraction and chemistry and compatibility. All those things at the beginning of a relationship have merit, yes. But to make it long-term, to really thrive, you've got to serve your spouse. And that's what we're learning. And remember, to serve means to be mindful of your spouse, of their needs, and doing it. Well, there's something that stands in direct opposition of that idea that we all face, every single one of us. There's opposition, no matter whether you're young or old, married or not, and that is the barrier of self-centeredness. Self-centeredness. It's a difficult thing to work to work on. I have in my notes here that marriage is brutal on selfish people. Isn't that true? And you say, well, how do you know that, Pastor? Well, you're looking at one of the most selfish people there ever was. And I want to tell a little story to squeal on myself. Is that okay? A few weeks ago, oh, a couple months ago now, we were in Detroit. I was in Detroit with Bobby and Rachel for district council. In, we were in some meetings. And that day, my wife, Jessica, was driving across the state that morning. We'd been there since Monday, but it was a Wednesday. And she was coming across and, because that night, Pastor Rachel was getting ordained, and she wanted to be there and to be with us. And that morning, we got up at our you know, normal time and made our way there. Well, Jessica had to get up like at 6 in the morning or something, get ready and make her way, so she was there by 9 o'clock. And I, for us, Bobby and I were in the car. We, we, were, we went through the drive-thru at Starbucks, and I thought it was a good idea to get two coffees. One hot coffee, a small one, just because it was the morning, and hot coffee is good in the morning. But then I was like, I'm going to get an iced coffee, because then I could take it to the meeting and kind of have it for the morning, sip on it. How many are with me? You understand you know, that you might buy two coffees at the same time. Well, so I was walking in with two coffees, and Jessica beat us to the church. And I'd been sipping on both coffees. And I see Jessica, and I'm like, hey, I got you a nice vanilla latte. (laughs) And the way I said it, she knew that I was lying. (laughs) And especially because a third of it was gone. And she's like, you didn't buy that for me. I'm like, no, no, Carrie. And she didn't take it. This was all played out right in front of Bobby, it was embarrassing. And I ate crow that day, and I ended up drinking the rest of the iced vanilla latte. Jessica did not get one. But it's like, man, even after 25 years or almost 25 years, I still struggle with self-centeredness. And we all do, don't we? And it's interesting that being self-centered, it's more detrimental than being impatient or irritable or not being gracious to somebody. Self-centeredness, it's worse than, you know, being unkind in your speech. Or even, I think, holding a grudge or holding the past injuries or hurts against somebody. When you're self-centered, it's all about you. And so we want to come against that. We want to learn to outserve and and to really make a difference. And so let's talk about out-serving this morning there's three simple things the first is especially for those that are married is you meet your the needs of your spouse first everyone say first, first. it doesn't matter what i want or my understanding in a circumstance i need to meet the needs of jessica first So let's talk about the needs of men and women. Uh, How do men, or what do men need? Come on, help me out. What kind of things do men need? Food, respect. Okay, respect, honor is is, uh, the the very first one on my list here. Yes. Uh, Both services, people said food. (laughs) I I get that. All right. All right, what else do men need? Water. Water. Okay, yes, food, water, oxygen. Let's just get them all the, the, the basics of life out of the way. All right, good. Uh, what else do men need? To be, to be needed, to be wanted, right? I put in here friendship, right? Friendship, Then that kind of is relating. Uh, your spouse, men do not need another mother. They've had a mother, and so don't be a mother. Be a friend. Be a spouse. Be a, What else do men need? Yes, sir? Sports. Sports. Yes, okay. Speaking uh, from a 14-year-old boy. I love it. Good job. Yes. <laughs> yeah, You're right. That's very important, especially in a marriage. Top priority. Good. Good. All right. All right. Okay. Are you going to make me say it? Come on. What do men need? Sex. Sex. You said it. I didn't say it, right? <laughs> Sex, for sure. That's intimacy, right? That's important. And then I also added to the list that most men need domestic support. And case in point, let me just say, Bobby, when, uh, when he first moved here, he wasn't married. He got an apartment and he never invited me over. I always thought that was weird. I'm like, man, don't you like me, Bobby? And I found out later that he outfitted his entire apartment all to himself with a beanbag and a TV. Kyle, he needed some domestic support. In my house, if if, if my bedroom, if it was up to me, we'd have two pillows, one for me, one for Jessica. But apparently... There needs to be a plethora of pillows. And every morning when I make the bed, I make sure they're all right and even chop the couple and put them in and make sure it's all presentable because everybody's going to our room. No, but anyway, whatever. So what do men need? They need honor. They need sex, friendship, domestic support. What do women need? Help me out. What do women need? Love, yes. So that's the love and respect that... I can't remember the... Dr. Eckrich says, yes, love and respect. We've been through that it's so good. So, yes, love. What else does a woman need? Affirmation, Affirmation. yes. Credit cards. Credit cards. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. I put security, but not security in a credit card. All right. So, women want to feel secure. What else do women need? Hudson, do I go back to you? No, no, no. no just hold. Privacy? privacy. Privacy. Okay. All right. I don't understand. Let's talk after. And uh, I want to get all of the knowledge, Uh, everything you have. I want it. I need it. Yeah, that's good. All right. What else does a woman need? (laughs) I love you, Hudson. What's that? To be listened to. To to. Okay. I'm going to put that. I put in here non-sexual affection. And so maybe that's the listening there. Good. Uh, what else does a woman need? They need leadership, not domination. But the woman need, needs a leader. Women want a leader that is spiritual, that can be lead with finances, lead even with the kids. Come on, guys. No more passive men. And, and the idea here is that we, as men and women, have different needs, and we need to understand that. And for those that are married, we need to meet the needs of our spouse first. Marriage has to be first, after God, that is. Let's, I mean, the God card always wins. But yes, marriage is number one before work, before your friends, before hobbies. And there's a serious danger to marriages that good things, even great things like your kids... Can take a priority if you're not careful. One pastor said that when his kids come knocking at the door after you've already put them in bed and they they come knocking, they say, hey, I need a drink. I'm thirsty. He says, tell your kid, see if you can make it till the morning. (laughs) They come back a second time and say, I got to use the bathroom. He says to tell your kid, you've got a diaper on, use it. And when they come back a third time knocking and say, there's a monster in the closet, tell that kid, good, now you have someone to talk to. Go (laughs) to bed because our priority is in the marriage, right, after they've been put to bed. I didn't know how that'd go over. Whatever. Okay. All right. Whoever you serve first gets your best. Isn't that true? And it takes work. And so we're going to meet the needs of our spouse first, and the second thing is real simple too. We're going to do it with a good attitude. Number one, we're going to serve Jesus, but then after that, for me in my context, my number one priority after Jesus is to serve Jessica and to be happy about it. Because the truth is, Jessica is not a burden to me. She wasn't a burden to me when we were dating, and she's not a burden to me 25 years later. She is a blessing. I've learned from Chick-fil-A. Jessica worked there for a short stint. They used the phrase, my pleasure. And it is my pleasure to serve my wife and to do it with a good attitude. We should be enjoying with a positive attitude. Enjoy serving. No one likes to be served by someone who's in a bad mood or who's doing it out of obligation. Think about your favorite hotel or your favorite restaurant. Or your favorite store. It's not going to be your favorite if the person serving doesn't do it with a good attitude. How many have had a bad server before? You're like, man, you know, it brings your experience way down. And the same is true in marriage. And so we're going to meet the needs of our spouse first. We're going to do it with a good attitude. And then thirdly, we're going to do it without score keeping. It's not, I will serve you, Jessica, if you serve me. It's not, what's mine, or what's yours is mine, and what's mine is mine. (laughs) That doesn't work. But you say, well, what if my spouse takes advantage of me? Hmm, good question. I would say, still serve. And yes, they might take advantage of you. What if you say, well, I'm going to get tired or I get frustrated? I would say, you will, I do, you will too, still serve. See, relationships are won and lost in the nitty-gritty realities of life. Thriving marriages are built out of dirty dishes and changing diapers and grocery runs and paid bills. I really like what Eric Anikman said in his blog. He was directing, his, the blog was written to men, but it applies to both. But this is what he said. He's a pastor. He says this, I am never going to let my wife, or my family for that matter, outserve me. If there's a cost that has to be paid in this house, if there's a task that needs to be done, if somebody needs to step into an uncomfortable task or conversation first, it's going to be me. Then he goes on, he says, I'm never going to ask anyone else in this house to follow me somewhere that I'm not already going. I may not be perfect at this, and I love that he acknowledges that because none of us will do it perfect, but he says, I'm going to always be leaning in that direction of serving, of out serving our spouses. And the cool thing is, is when we start to understand that, we do that, the more we do, the more our relationship will thrive. Period. You're gonna make it. And not only you're gonna make it, you're gonna thrive. And it's not natural. But you will see a positive difference in not only you, but in both of you. Your relationship will be better. The reason is because serving makes the other person feel cared for. It also makes you feel fulfilled. Serving makes them feel loved, and it also makes you feel rewarded. Serving makes them feel respected, and it makes you feel significant as well. But unfortunately, if you don't do those things, Your marriage will only survive, or even worse, die off. What does God's Word say about this? I love that God's Word speaks to this. In fact, this is what it's all rooted in. I mentioned at the beginning that both men and women have the opportunity to play the Jesus role in their marriage. That idea is rooted in Ephesians chapter 5. We don't have the time to look at the whole chapter. I'd encourage you to read it, mark it down, read it later. But in Ephesians 5, there's a few verses that really spoke to me. It's a, a whole section talking about Christian living, like how do we live as Christ followers. And in verse 1, he, Jesus is, or Paul is encouraging uh, the people in Ephesus there to uh, follow God's example. In verse 24, he says to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Verse 31, he talks about leaving and cleaving. You might want to highlight that, if you want to dive into that. And in verse 32, he talks about serving like Christ served the church. And he gave his life up for his bride, the church. And it's cool that the mystery of the gospel is seen in marriage. I love Ephesians chapter 5. And the truth is, out of that idea, you'd say, well, why do we serve? We serve because Christ has served us first. And not only has he served us, he is continually serving us seven days a week, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Isn't that the truth? We're still being served. By Jesus. He's the perfect example. And even when Jesus was in crisis in John chapter 13, it's the story where Jesus washes his feet. He, Jesus is in despair. He's about to go to the cross. And what does he do? He models a foot washing. He washes his disciples' feet. And the Bible says in verse 14 and 15, now that Jesus did it, you do it. And so I would thought this would be a great opportunity for me and Jessica to wash each other's feet. And then Jessica said, no way. And so, so we're not going to do that. But, um, but anyway, but, it, it's a, but Jesus did say, I've set an example for you. Now follow in serving. I'm sorry. Anyway, John chapter 21, even after Jesus paid the ultimate price of dying on the cross, He served His disciples after the resurrection. It's the story of the miraculous catch of fish in John 21. Even after all these things, what does Jesus do? He has breakfast prepared for all of His disciples, and He says, Come and eat. He's serving before and after. He's the perfect example. He's our example. For us to play the Jesus role in our marriage is to serve and I would say to out your spouse. Matthew chapter 23, verses 11 and 12 says this, The greatest among you shall be the servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The idea is if we serve, we humble ourselves and care about others first, we'll be exalted. You can expect a blessing when you serve others. You can be, you expect to be fulfilled, to be rich in love, to experience all kinds of favor. You've all heard the happily ever after fairy tale idea. Well, I believe that happily ever after is possible, but only after you put the needs of your spouse first. That's how you thrive. Now, I am going to ask Jessica to come And uh, join me, uh, and I promise I won't embarrass you, but uh, come on up. This is Jessica. There's one more verse I want us to look at. It's Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. And in this verse, at the very end of it, it says something. And Jessica, you modeled this beautifully with our 25th anniversary. At the end of the verse, it says, But through love serve one another serve one another. In my notes, I said, serve one another in love. And that's exactly what Jessica did a couple weeks ago for me. On our anniversary, May 25th, we woke up in our uh, bed and breakfast there on Mackinac Island. Some of you guys knew that we went there. And she gave me a card, which is really nice. She also gave me a Yeti, which is, I'm using this morning. And then Jessica gives me a wad of cash, $5 bills, $10 bills, $20 bills. I don't think there were any 50s in there. I mean, it was a significant uh, stack of cash. And she says, this is for you. I'm like, what in the world is going on? Well, let's back up for a second. Jessica and I, uh, ever since the church sent us to Mackinac Island for our sabbatical uh, five years ago, Um, We've gone back to Mackinac Island at least once a year. And every time we're there, we walk the streets, and there's a restaurant called the 1852 Grill that I've always said, I want to eat there someday. But just to give you an idea, one steak at the 1852 Grill costs $125, $135. I mean, it's ridiculous. Come on, let's just acknowledge. It's, it's, that's a different league, right? That's... And Jessica, on our anniversary morning, says, I have made reservations at the 1852 Grill. <laughs> I didn't do this for service. I didn't cry. But it, I was like, what? And she's like, I've been saving. I was taking money a little bit from groceries, a little bit from my blow money. A little bit from our son's college, obviously. (laughs) Sorry, Logan. And I'm telling you, there's no... So to Jessica, it meant nothing to eat at a fancy restaurant like that. It really didn't. But for me, it really spoke to me. She served me in love in that story. And this morning, we... Wanna encourage marriages. Young marriages, old marriages. We're not perfect. <laughs> Ups and downs, I mean lots of counseling. Let me just tell you. Like, <laughs> especially for me. But this morning, when you outserve your spouse the way Jessica did for me, it transformed you. But it also transformed our relationship. That story. When we say, okay, it's not about our rights, it's not about our preferences, it's my pleasure to serve. When we say that, when we live that, our marriage is moving towards thriving. It's thriving with God's help. And we want to encourage every single one, if you're married and you're saying, now what? Out serve spouse. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the truth of your word that gets a hold of our hearts and our minds. And today, Lord, as we close and we respond with a song about serving, I pray that you just continue to capture our hearts. And Lord, we pray all these things for your glory, for your honor. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? We're going to respond with a song about serving. I love that song because it's a song about serving. It's about saying, God, use me.
1: Uh, I'm yours.
0: Uh, I'm an offering. And the case is, yes, of course, that applies to our relationship with Jesus. But as Christ followers, shouldn't we have that? attitude towards our fellow believers and for those that are outside of the faith, people we rub shoulders with day in and day out, that we would serve. This message is not only for married folks. It's a message about our lives making a difference. The truth is that Jesus served even at the point of his greatest need. He's about to be crucified. He washes his disciples' feet. When he was in crisis, he served instead of being served. Let us use that same strategy. Amen. That that's our priority. That's our mindset. And when we are in the middle of our own last supper experience, whatever that looks like, our dark hour, uh, could we serve? When we are rejected, can we serve? When we've been forgotten, can we say we're going to serve and do it with a good attitude? My pleasure. When we get hurt, let's not get hardened. Let's serve. And we serve for Jesus' sake, not for our own. And I've got it written in my notes, a goal for all of us. And I'm curious how many of you would be willing to say, yes, that's my goal. I want to Work towards that. The goal I wrote down was make it a lifetime goal to outserve everyone you come in contact with, especially those that are closest to you. Let me read that again. To to outserve everyone you come in contact with, especially those who are closest to you. How many would say, Yeah, I want that? I want the Lord to help me in that. Yeah know I do. And what I want to do this morning is I want us to close with a final prayer that would just capture our hearts. Because the moment we say amen and the lights come up, it's time to serve. It's time to be an example. And of course, if you're married, out-serve your spouse. But even if you're not, find someone this week, today, every day, to serve. Lord, he will help us
1: to live
0: a life that's thriving, that's healthy, that's alive. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for what you have done in our midst. Lord, you've challenged us in your word to serve. You're the perfect example. And Lord, I pray that we would serve one another out of love. And Lord, I thank you for The truth that when we do that, we can expect to be blessed because those that serve, those who humble themselves, will be exalted. Lord, your word is so powerful, so strong. And Lord, now I pray that you would seal these moments in our heart and Lord, put us into action. Lord, help us. Lord, go before us and behind us and around us. We pray all of these things for your glory, for your honor, And all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us this morning. We'll see you in the lobby, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this week's message from The Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.